0: And Welcome to episode 17 of our second series powered by Netball UK. Now, as we approach the end of lockdown, yes, uh, we're giving every listener and viewer the chance to get 10% off at the leading online netball shop, Netball UK. Plus, if you use the code with an order before the end of July, one lucky winner will get the entire cost of their order refunded. Save now and you could get your order on us. Now, the only way to get the code is to head over to mynetballnation.com, click the banner on our home page and there you will find your code very good discount this but also the chance of a very cool prize if you win all of your shopping mm. right then I am joined as always by alive from the living rooms which I know better <laughs> than them now by mags and Sarah. hello girls how are hello. we good, good. thank you first things first before we delve into all things netball mags yes. what's what's on the baking agenda today
1: well um yesterday I made Oreo Cookie bars,
0: mm. oh Mags, and uh, and hang on, what was it that you sent? Because we've got a Netball Nation WhatsApp group, and you sent something that looked an absolute taste sensation last week. Not so the mint, not the fudge, the other one,
1: cookie thing. That was
0: it. Yeah. Oh. It's
1: like a cookie dough base with like the toffee from the, you know, like a millionaire's and then the chocolate on the top. It
0: was ridiculous. And do you know what? Myself and Sara have got a request because um, I remembered the other day, do you remember gold bars, the little gold biscuits you used to get in your lunchbox? Yeah. Mags, they are absolutely beautiful. Aren't they? 10 out of 10 chocolate biscuit, that. Do you reckon you could incorporate them into a cookie, biscuit, some kind Natural of cake type thing? Uh, yes, yeah, for our well, return to Netball Nation.
1: Leave that one, women. So you want yes. cookie? You want cookie doughy in the middle with chocolate ah. all the way around it? The, I don't know the gold bar
2: thing. Was it a bit like um? Bit,
0: what's it? it? on the outside. Carromack. Yes. Yeah. It was. I don't know how they did yeah. that with I'll the practice, chocolate. We'll Actually, have a go.
2: Stores always have them like ten for a pound. Yeah. I'll have like, a go. Yeah. I'll practice Your that. Start practicing. Get
0: in, thanks, Max. I'm sure uh, everyone listening to this right now is excited by that as well. We'll tell you what they taste <laughs> like. Um, Everyone's switched off. Yeah. Now. yeah. <laughs> um, and Sarah, what have you been getting up to this
2: week? Um. Yeah. I mean, I can't really, I can't really remember what day it is. I'm not sure where the week starts and ends. Um,
0: we're we're recording this on uh, Wednesday.
2: Yeah. Great. Um. Been doing some work. It was our last week of, of programming for Lightning, so we had a bit of a wrap up on Monday night. So that was good fun um and then yeah just just the usual yeah one week rolls into another doesn't it so are you done now then sarah is it like your official summer break um kind of so th- the girls are done from a physical point of view um but it's obviously kind of rolling into contracting time so yeah. i'll try and get some time off soon but um it depends how how we go contracting
0: is it busy time for you sarah mm-hmm. uh well thank you both as always for joining us we have got plenty to crack on with This is Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK, your one-stop shop for everything netball. The ANZ in New Zealand is well and truly back now and we'll be chatting about the results, making predictions and also predicting our all-star Super Netball team ahead of their season starting in August. Hot weather and sport. Okay, the weather's taking a turn again, but when it's hot, it can be hard to stay cool and be motivated to still participate in sport. We're going to be chatting about tips to train in the heat and more. Uh, but first up, it's all about talking to this week's special guest who is one of the faces of netball, international umpire Gary Bird. I noticed you got an extra, specially loud applause there from Sarah. she's <laughs> <up>. <laughs> getting her.
2: Getting I working early for next year.
0: <laughs> Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we've talked to plenty of players and coaches as special guests for this series, but you are the first match official. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, how have you found life without netball in lockdown, uh, Gary? Well, it's
3: been a nightmare, really. Um, this, was, this was going to be my season to have a, um, or year to have a season off, uh, so I picked the right, picked the right year, but um, I think like everybody, I think everybody uh, realises uh, how much they miss netball when they can't do it, so uh, I think we're all itching to get back.
0: Do you have any idea when that'll be, that you're actually back uh, officiating? So,
3: um, unfortunately, I think umpires will be the last ones back, just by uh, nature of uh, the roadmap that England Netball and, and the government have got. So, I mean, there's modified training, uh, netball fitness, then uh, you know, actual gameplay be the last thing to come back. So that's when umpires probably will be the last in. Obviously, if they can do fitness up to that point, but I think the last be the last people. But it just really—it's all down to the government at the moment and when social distancing is completely relaxed and all of that sort of thing.
0: And how how do you feel about it all? I mean, obviously, it, it's inevitable; it can't be helped. But how do you feel about the situation?
3: well i think i'm I'm kind of in a little bit of a strange world because i live I live in the middle of nowhere, I live in complete isolation, we live on a farm in Norfolk, so mm-hmm. we don't have neighbors, so we we kind of haven't really experienced any of it. So all of you know we, we dutifully go out on a Thursday to clap the NHS and can't hear anybody else. So you know the experience of that in a housing estate or in a city we don't have that sort of thing. So we are, personally haven't had much issues, and I've worked remotely, continue to work remotely. Uh, full-time friend England the netball since um since lockdown so my life hasn't been that much of a change apart from having weekends
0: <laughs> uh, well and, and also I mean the fact that if you know if you are so remote anyway where you live you must have had such little human interaction at all in life has that been bizarre for you uh
3: yes I think my wife and children are sick of me because I'm very <laughs> so, but no it's um it's great I mean I think you know, we, we um, live on a farm with my um, uh, wife's parents and brother and sister in law. So, kind of, we were always in a bubble. So, our life didn't change too much. But as I say, I didn't venture to the uh, main road for about 10 weeks. So, it really was, um, you know, shopping would always come in and all of this sort of stuff. So, we really didn't see anybody at all, apart from the immediate family unit. So, it was quite nice. But,
0: Sarah, Max, how would you feel about living on a farm in the middle of nowhere with your in
2: laws? Mm, so you spoil it again when you, when you put the in-laws, the in-laws. In. <laughs> I've got to be careful because Stacey will watch this <laughs> <laughs> you'd love it wouldn't you Sarah I, I, they'd probably get sick of me I'd be like fine everyone would want to go out I'd be like mm, I'm good you know I'm
0: gonna stay here yeah um but I mean Gary uh, you're pretty well known in international netball can you tell us uh, uh, for anyone listening how you got into the sport
3: yeah, so um, I was a hockey umpire to start with. Um, so uh, there was a lot of transferable skills there. But when I was um, at college, at, um, at teaching college, we, um, we were told to go out and bolster our CVs with experiences in loads of other female sports to make yourself more employable as a male PE teacher. Um, and netball was one of the things that I went on. Um, and on that, on that course, I met a lady called Sheila Redpath, who people will know as a bit of a legend. Oh, legend. <laughs> yeah and she still continues to be involved now uh, after 50 years involved but she basically uh, ignited the passion in me then and said you know you 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 have aspirations to represent your country as a player you know you could actually do it as a um as an umpire as well and it it kind of was that sort of fast forward and kickstart from that point on that that, that pushed me into the sport and allowed me to be where i am i mean she's still my mentor 20 years later wow Yeah, she's still someone that I confide in now about my skills and experiences.
0: And, and we'll touch on that a, a little more in a second. But, um, you know, becoming an umpire, what would you say to anyone listening to this who thinks, oh, do you know what? I'd love to do that, but it's, I wouldn't even know where to start?
3: So, I mean, obviously at the moment it's a bit awkward because there's nothing on, but uh, the England netball website is normally a real hub of that and um, there's a courses section. But, you do, you know, start locally. There's county and regional umpire and secretaries that work tireless around the country. So, you know, find out who your local umpire secretary is and they'll be the ones that will get you uh, all the information that, that, that you, you would need. And they're the ones really on, on the ground and the grassroots that will stoke that um, stoke that passion and, and that fire of officiating uh, locally so those are the people that you need to speak to Gary,
2: and it, we, oh sorry. No we, on, we spoke a little bit about you know coaching and there's not there's not a lot of male coaches out there you know it's growing in numbers but umpiring always been fairly represented um with men um why do you think that is like who's done the good work there in, in terms of mm. getting men into umpiring
3: well, I think, you know, it wasn't too long ago since, uh, I think it was about 1996, where the INF um, didn't have any male umpires. I don't know whether or not it was a policy or not, uh, but Bill Alexander back in the day was the first um, male international umpire across the across the world. But I, I, I generally believe that England Netball, long before I uh, became to post, England Netball's, um you know, they, they, they never had a segregation policy or anything like that that, that said men couldn't do it. The, the doors have always been open. And certainly since I've been in post and inherited it from um Don Blacklock, but then Sheila Redpath for the majority. Of, I mean, she did the job for 30 years. It was always um you were promoted on your ability, not by what you look like. You know, it, it, it was just if you were good at umpiring, it didn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you'd be pushed forward. So, you know.
1: And can I ask you then, Gary, how were you received by the actual athletes? You know, right back at the beginning of all this, when you're starting to rise through the ranks and, you know, you're hitting, you know, the big games, how were you received by the athletes?
3: Well, I mean, I'd love to tell you that it was difficult and that, you know, there's a, a bad situation, but it absolutely wasn't. I've got no, no negativity from, from, you know, that, that the upper end fraternity. Uh, and I think that's about being personable and being having empathy and, and just you know doing your best. If you go out there and, and try and do your best, people will be accepting of you. But I, I absolutely have never experienced any any sort of sexism or anything like that um, since I've been doing what I've been doing. I remember going into England training camps 20 years ago and Fame was still playing, you know, and and um, you know it was just it was just what we did. You know, you went in there and you did your best and you did your job. You can always get things right, but actually, if you were honest. Um, you'd be fine. I mean, there was a couple of situations when I was still teaching that I'd turn up to school matches and there would be those uh, old PE teachers that we all can, can imagine. They were like, that: a man in netball, do you even have a beginner award? You know, I don't about final part the time that I was doing that, you know, and uh, yeah,
0: I have a beginner award.
3: <laughs> hmm.
0: um, how, how do you respond to that though? I mean, on the odd occasion, it's great to hear, by the way, that that is like so rare in your situation but how did you respond to that how how did you take that
3: you know the spinster the PE teacher that said to me yeah uh, you know do you even know what you're doing have you got a beginner award I just quite happily said yes I've, I have a beginner award I have five after that as well but I have a beginner award <laughs> Kids, uh, the kids that I used to teach were, were always like that cracking up in, in the minibus back to school sort of saying well yeah, you've got to play the world cup finals there she didn't even know that in the yeah you know, you just take it in your stride. Do,
0: do you ever get nervous before a game or, or have you ever got nervous? Do you remember a moment in, in your career of getting nervous?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, every game you, you get nervous before every game. And I think it's um, um, one, of, one of the first people that I work with in, in Bedfordshire, Gloria Keach, said to me, she said, um, if you ever stop getting nervous, you need to stop because it means mm. you don't care anymore. Um, and I think it's about how you turn that nervous energy into you know, productive energy and how you can convert that into a great performance. I think you can do a lot yourself, knowing the rules inside out. So when you apply a rule, you know, 100% you're right. Um, so if any challenge comes, um, you, you know, you're equipped to then deal with it. But yeah, I still get nervous. Um,
0: yeah, And, you know, a, a lot of people listening will be thinking like, what a great job you've got. But what are the toughest parts of it, Gary?
3: Well, I think I'll, I'll stop you on the first thing, a job. It's something you get paid for. I think the biggest surprise that a lot of people will find out is that Super League and international umpires don't get paid. Um, that's something that we're looking to address um, over the next 10 years in the new strategy and the netball strategy about professionalising officiating to come in line with the new game, you know, this new outstanding product that we've got. You've got to get the umpires on the same page and look at that. But, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it, is a tough, it is a tough role to have. Uh, and, and a lot of responsibility comes with it. Uh,
0: and have you ever made an umpire call that you weren't confident with or you've, you've looked back afterwards and gone, oh, that was probably a mistake?
3: Um, I think absolutely. Um, at the time, you have to be 100% confident. So I'm 100% confident in my incorrect decisions than I am at the time of my correct decisions because both are made with as much information you have at the time to make that decision. You never guess, so you make the decision based on what you've got there and then. But obviously, in review, I mean, the average umpire at my level spends about four hours reviewing the game, looking at every decision. So, you know, off the back of the Netball World Cup final uh, in Liverpool, I can tell you now I made 178 decisions uh, and two of them were incorrect. But two of them were incorrect, not because they were clangers or massive, um, you know, mistakes, but they were uh, situations where I played advantage where I should have penalised or vice versa. So I think, you know, when you get to this level, you know, you do come out of games actually not making a huge amount of mistakes. And that does show. One of the other things with the Netball World Cup final, because it was such a spectacle, a lot of the dis- decisions that I made went with play. And when that happens, the umpire really does become unobtrusive and not, noticed, not, notici- not noticeable in the game uh, because plays always go in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So when you have those big attacking turnovers or turnovers that send the ball the other way that people start recognising. Or noticing the umpire more mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure
0: on you in that role though i mean you've umpired at several major tournaments if you had to pick out a favorite gary what would it be
3: it's major tournaments, um probably i think the first one i went to um i got my international award in 2009 and then um in the cook islands at the world Youth, and then found myself the following year at the world at uh, the commonwealth games in delhi um, for people that will remember, that was a world record game because it went to a uh, baby. You played in that um, series, didn't you? you were there.
2: Yeah.
3: So it was, um, it, um, the game went to extra time, uh, which is to, so you've got your four fifteen minutes, you've got your two periods of seven and a half, and then it went to sudden death, and it went on for another 13 minutes after that, and it just was <laughs> goal for goal, goal for goal. And it was probably, um, you know, one of the biggest, um, you know, it was definitely a world record game, but it was one of the um, you know biggest spectacles for netball i think of all time amazing um
0: and, and gary i want to get your insight and opinion on some things while we've got you as well because rule change is a part of the game but the introduction of the super shot in australia has caused some fierce debate and very strong opinion uh what are your thoughts on it and can you think of any that have come in that you've agreed with or that you've gone no that probably shouldn't have been made
3: well i think I think like everybody, I think when you, when you make, make rules changes, you've got to do it with consultation. It shouldn't be a surprise. Absolutely shouldn't be a surprise. And I think that's where a lot of the angst and annoyance has come from this decision being made. Uh, innovation in our sport is, the, is one of the things that keeps it developing. But... Uh, you know, probably about ten years ago, the I.N.F. created uh, Fastnet and Fast Five for this re- reason, because they wanted to safeguard netball as a, as a, you know, as a traditional format of the game. You know, I'm a strong believer in that format of the game. Absolutely, is marketable enough to be an Olympic sport right now in its current version, without any tweaks, changes, or you know, that that sort of thing. So. I think, as I say, consultation would have been the thing. But I think for me, if I look at it in a one-dimensional way, just those very small changes have a massive impact on the way in which umpires prepare for a game. So, you know, by, by, um, by having a two-point shot, the position and timing of an umpire will change. You know, the behaviour of players will change. So there might be some deliberate contacts under the post to force it to be positioned there or on the circle edge. Likewise... You know, if you're, if you're saying that this super shot's happening in the, in the last five minutes of a quarter, mm-hmm. there could be some deliberate delays um, by players to take a penalty in a certain time, but, you know, they might amble a little bit to take that penalty so it clicks into the super shot time. You know, players might delay the ball coming back. So there's a lot of other things to think about. Um, now that's in that version. You then expect umpires to switch from that version into an international version or a different version. That's where there could be you know, there could be that scope to change. And again, it's the same issue for players. Players and umpires work on autonomous space of learning, so they do it automatically without thinking. If you start interrupting that, that could then have an impact on how they autonomously play in a different version and in a different environment. So it's too much, for me, it's too much change too quickly without too much thought.
0: Yeah, and I think as well, that was really insightful as well, Gary, because it, it's interesting to hear it from your point of view because a lot of people think about how that might affect the players but not necessarily uh, how a game is umpired as well. And another another thing we spoke about on the podcast like last week was um, technology, the use of technology um, in netball. Would you like to see technology similar to Hawkeye or VAR brought into netball? Do you think it would be beneficial?
3: Um, I think... You know, I'm all for development. I think if we're going to use technology, it needs to be used more off court. So with umpire analysis to support them developing. But actually, do I think that there's a, you know, VAR and Hawkeye in game? No, I don't. Because I think netball's too fast. Um, And again, you know, even football, 90 minutes, not much, not many goals. Because of the frequency of the goals and the speed of the game, I think it would just it would interrupt the flow too much to go in there. And the skill of an umpire is to make a finite decision with the information that they've been given or to play a fantastic advantage that enhances the game. That's the, 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 they're two of the key principles. If you start interrupting it with, mm, was it this, was it that, was it the other, then I just think it becomes a bit of a nightmare. However, talking of nightmares, I do have this kind of recurrent nightmare that I'm um, umpiring the, the final of a big tournament and in the rules, the ball has to go wholly through the ring. For it. Uh, in the rules, uh, the ball has to go wholly through the ring for it to count. And I just have this recurring nightmare that it's the final of a big championships, and and the decision comes down to that. And I didn't look if the ball was wholly through. Now that's probably the only time I would just say, hold time. Can we just check that?
2: <laughs> Gary, can we can we just change that stupid rule though? Because like. How long's a net? Like the nets are like pretty standard length, but then how good does your vision have to be to see if the ball's wholly through? If it's not, as long like I just want that rule change Just <laughs> if the shot <laughs> counts, if the shot's not up, it doesn't count. Surely that's going to be a little bit easier for umpires.
3: You know what, bayman we'll both get shot for this, but I think the you know the basketball thing where it's left your hand. Yeah. yeah. It may well be the easiest way to deal with that, but but again, the rule is as the rule is at the moment. So uh, yeah.
0: Well, I yeah. want to know, Gary, is how frequently you're having this nightmare?
3: <laughs> Not very often, but it is a recurrent one. Uh, cold sweats, COVID dreams. <laughs> COVID dreams.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um you mentioned as well the skill of the umpire when you were chatting about it there there was an umpire review in the ANZ last weekend uh, Paul to we missed it's so that we know um you're you're very keen to chat about
3: yeah so I just think it's um it, it's a hot topic I mean I woke up um I didn't wake up sorry I was working because it was a, an eight o'clock game I think and my phone just started going wild um, and it was about an umpire appealing to their co umpire, and everyone was like, Oh, I've never seen this before. Isn't it fantastic? Can you do it? Can you not do it? And um, I think the important thing to say is it actually isn't the new thing. It's been in the rule book for a while. Um, but the reason it's in the rule book um, initially so, an umpire is um, 5.2.13. Oh,
1: my word. <laughs>
3: Only rule in the rule book that I know because the first part says um, the decision of the umpire is final and given without question. So that's the only reason I know. <laughs> um, so, but, but basically, it was designed to support umpires if such a thing should happen is that they got duffed over by a player and, and lost uh, vision or you know, if they fell over, um, that doesn't happen very often, but it seems to happen to me more than
1: (laughs) Nobody was going to mention that, Gareth.
3: I've got to get in there first. But but yeah, but it was there to actually allow umpires to ask their co-umpire what happened. It wasn't really there to kind of um, appeal across those uh, lines. But again, I think with anything, as I said, you know, great umpiring is about being in the right place at the right time. Now, A good skill of the umpire is to make sure that that's done a majority of the time. But ultimately, if it happens that you become unsighted, completely unsighted in a one-off, and I've never umpired this. In 20 years of umpiring, I've never done this. Uh, And I've only ever seen it done twice, this occasion and once before. Um, it, It has to be, you know, it is an option, but it shouldn't be your first consideration. Your first consideration should be being in the right place at the right time. There's another part of the rule in game management as well that umpires can support each other but it has to be um the appeal has to come from the controlling umpire and there is a part in game management so it, let's say for instance if you miss something really big that would result in a warning uh, an order off or a suspension or an order off there is an option in the rule um i think that's um, i know i've written it down here 13.15 but actually you can go and offer your support to the co-umpire. And it might be a situation that missed a deliberate trip or a punch or something really high level. You go over and say, did you see this? This is what I saw. And then you leave your co-umpire to make the final decision. But it's still very much so that you can only make decisions in your area of the court.
1: We were discussing this uh, last week, Gary, when um, I think it was something that I'd mentioned about maybe not enough use of the umpire that doesn't have control of the game Uh, because Sarah had mentioned about maybe looking at the game retrospectively you know maybe bringing in some sanctions if you spot things after the fact and um because we're saying that you know some players could use that to their advantage you know the odd dig the punch the in the face sort of stuff that's not happening within the controlling umpires um end so um I kind of like that rule and I just think that maybe it should be used more often
3: I, think, I don't disagree with you, Maggie. I think this idea of, of some sort of citing, I mean, mm. I always tell people I'm an expert in the rules. When it comes to regulations, I don't even go there because they change so often. But I think mm. this idea of citing absolutely needs to be looked at with regards to regulation. So a team might see something after a game, or you know, it's a bit like spitting in football, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. So those sorts of things get submitted after the match and are dealt with. But going back, to, going back to what you said about you know, having it used more, I talked to my inner circle about this, and, and we're actually all of the op- opinion, and it did happen, but in a kind of subliminal way. So there would always be situations, not, not open, like whole time appeal, what's going on. You know, I was talking to Jackie Meisen about it, and we always used to umpire quite telepathically. So it's li- literally even a turn of the shoulders if you look over would give that, um, give that indication of where something is going. You know, if you, were, if you were, if the co-umpire was pointing down the other end of the court, you'd know that the throwing was going the right way or so on and so forth. So there is that subliminal thing, and just because it wasn't a grandiose kind of interruption to the game, doesn't mean to say that there isn't that, um, you know, there isn't that communication between the umpires that goes under the radar. You know, a little yeah. thing pointing down,
2: mm. uh,
3: either way, might be the thing that gives a tip across
2: the court yeah I was going to say because uh, I mean I, I, think, I think it's good if it's, if it's used a, a little bit more but it is like you know I watched the, the Mystics Pulse game and it does draw attention to it if you, you're basically holding time going like can you tell me what happened and if you're that on time and you didn't see you'd be like oh god no um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I mean like it's quite obvious <laughs> whereas what you're saying is like if you kind of look over and they're like oh yeah. somebody wins that way then, yeah. then great, because I think, you know, the more, the more backup you can get, especially, you know, when, you, when you're looking at something that's on the opposite sideline, is, is pretty tough.
3: I mean, I'll throw a question to you, Sarah, and say, say to you, you know, there, there, are, there have been some instances when umpires have said, hands up, it's an umpire error, it's the other way. Now, that's a double-edged sword, really, isn't it? Does that, does that show an umpire being human and admitting their mistake, or does it actually then put doubt in players and coaches' mind that the umpire doesn't know what they're doing and isn 't decisive enough
2: yeah I think, I think there was one of those in the ANZ this week as well um, and i 'm not even sure if they, if they played an advantage and, and then called it back and it, but I just remember them saying umpire ever um, and it's, it is an interesting question, um, but i think, I think personally i 'd rather umpires went yeah, I got it wrong and I've spotted it quick enough that I can rectify it, then just almost stubbornly carry on, um, Hmm. even, even when you know it's wrong.
0: Well, Gary, I think we all feel like we're part of the inner circle now. I think that that was a great insight. Thanks. Mate, the umpires are not Thank taking you. me into them in a circle ever. <laughs> ever. I was going to say, you just looked nervous for the entirety of that, Sarah. Um, now, before we do let you go, Gary, it's not just umpiring that you've been recognised for during lockdown. Um, you've become a little bit of a singing sensation, haven't you?
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: we, we can see a keyboard there in the background for anyone who isn't watching this on YouTube. And Is that a fish tank as well? Has that got some fish
3: in it? Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, nice. Do they have names?
3: Uh, but there's only one in there, unfortunately. Uh, two of them uh, fell foul to the lockdown, unfortunately. Oh,
0: no. God bless their souls. Well, Gary, um, do you fancy doing a little sing-song for us here on Netball Nation?
1: <laughs> Don't be shy.
0: Come on, Ga- Gary! <laughs> Gary! Yeah. Here we yes! Go. Yes!
1: Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs>
0: oh, for anybody... Um, Stugging in his
1: bone, 10p. Um, yeah,
0: <laughs> if, yes, folks For anyone who's just listening on the podcast rather than viewing this, Gary has turned his swivel chair around. He's uh, heading towards his keyboard. He's getting himself, he's getting his chair hiked up so he's the right height. Uh, he's twiddling with his buttons. He's getting ready. <laughs> We're ready when you are, Gary. Do you need a big intro? Do you want us to intro what you're singing? Or, oh, here we oh, go, no.
1: He's off. <laughs>
3: It's a little bit funny <laughs> This feeling inside And I want to know This who can Easily hide Yes, Gary! I don't have much money
1: In the air. I need. Where's I need like me? Where's my phone with me light? Yes.
0: <laughs> there you go. Oh, Yay! Amazing we wanted more that was brilliant thank you so much there you go if you are listening right now that was an exclusive live on Netball Nation Gary Burgess thank you so much
2: for that set the bar high now we're going to have a a one man band on next (laughs) (laughs) you want to beat Gary (laughs)
0: sorry you're going to do that no no. (laughs) (laughs) Gary it's been an absolute privilege having you on and uh, to have you welcome into your inner circle except for Sarah thank you so so much for joining us on Netball Nation take care enjoy the farm and uh, we'll hopefully see you back in action soon no
3: problem nice to talk to you guys take care guys take
0: take bye. great singing bye Gary. Ah, <laughs> uh, the british summer it's either baking hot or blowing a gale in fact i think in one day this week we've had uh i don't know about you guys but we had rain hail bright sunshine rain sunshine rain
1: we're just missing the snow weren't we
0: Yeah, that is literally it. It cannot make its mind up. Uh, Now, when it's hot, though, it's hard to know how to train and play safely. And heading indoors is not an option with netball still having to be played outdoors due to government guidelines. The same goes for playing in rainy and cold conditions. So, Mags, what tips for drills and training sessions do you have for young players in the intensity to limit chances of overheating? Well, I think the first
1: thing you've got to do is be smart and be sensible. You know, if you're going to go out and you're going to do training, as they will, um, pick the cooler parts of the day. So either first thing in the morning, if you're able to, or later in the evening when it's a little bit cooler. Um, hydration is, is, is key. And as always, make sure you have something to eat, but not too soon before you're going to work, go and train. Give it a chance to settle. So you actually have the food in you for energy to do the training and you're hydrated to get you through it.
0: Um, can I ask you both girls, do you, depending on what time of year it is, do you train at different times of the day, yourselves?
1: For me now, because I'm not actually hitting a court netball and it's just wherever I can squeeze it in. Mm.
2: And, and what about you, Sarah? Um. I think I think I probably train more in more in the evenings in summer because it like light evenings. I like to train outside as much as I can. Like I like running and and getting outside and doing stuff outside. So in winter when that's not possible because you know you go to work in the dark, you go home in the dark. <laughs> yeah. That's when I like I hit the gym more and stuff and then it doesn't really matter what what time I train. I'll train in the mornings and mm. and whatever but in the summer I try and get outside as much as I can it's and that feel good factor as well isn't it out in the fresh air yeah fresh and, air just makes you feel yeah. better doesn't it like mental health wise i, I think it's mm. it's good to just get get some fresh air in
0: absolutely um although i don't envy people when when you see people running and we've had like the days of like 29 degrees well we had one day of that i'm like how are you possibly doing it i'm struggling to walk like my thighs are rubbing together i'm chafing everywhere i'm like how are you managing this That is
2: incredible. what i like to do though is i, I didn't go out on those days so you know this, <laughs> <laughs> this is a hypothetical situation um but what i like to do when it's really hot is pretend i'm like Mo Farah in an Olympics in a hot oh, place. there's your So vision. I'm like, you know what? If if Mo can get through Beijing, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, he must and have been having these same thoughts as me that he's really hot <laughs> and he wants to stop, but he didn't, did he? And so that's how I get through it.
0: Do you know what? There we have it. I feel like we can wrap this section up now. We've it's concluded <laughs> with that motivational speech from Sarah. Thank you. Uh, but sorry, you've travelled to some pretty hot destinations during your career. Have you ever picked up any tricks to stay cool and train in the heat from other teams?
2: Um, don't or do just it just <laughs> England here will take any training time give us all so joking to aside and they go, they've given us the it's court it's from 12 it. till 2 and you're like brilliant sorry Fantastic. you have just
1: taken the words right out of my mouth that was the
2: training time
1: no shade 12 till 2 no. no honestly
2: no, they're training at like 7 in the morning or yeah. 8 at night and so yeah I'd, I'd say don't train in the middle of the day um, like Mag said um <laughs> be as hydrated as possible. Ice towels are always good if you're in real real hot heat, just put them on your neck. try and. But cool if you-
0: down. If you're only given 12 till 2 to train with the baking hot sun shining down on you, that is not good. How do you even cope with that? What do you do? Uh, well, it's just well, called home team
1: advantage, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, think, I think teams fight back a bit more now. Uh, you know, the, the beginning of my career, we, we'd take anything. We'd be training at like seven in the morning, mm, yeah. you know, in, in winter. And then we'd go to, go to the Caribbean and train in the middle of the day. Whereas now I think teams are a little bit fairer on each other and also teams kind of negotiate a bit more
0: yeah i mean you both said as well that you like you prefer uh training and doing your exercise outdoors do you do you prefer do you have a preference on playing indoors or outdoors i think the indoor
1: thing i mean is a is a a fancy new phenomenon because back in the day everything was outside yeah you know come rain shine hail you know force nine blowing through who would ever want to be a shooter because they were still having to get those shots in in all conditions um So ideally, if you've got the right conditions outside, it's beautiful, you know, not too hot. You know, you've got a little bit of shade, you know, conditions are good. It's fabulous being outside.
0: So basically don't do it in England. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have have you ever heard um, sort of overseas players complain when when they're struggling to like maybe acclimatise to the English weather?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, all the time.
0: <laughs> what What is their biggest complaint with that? That it's cold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they, and honestly, they layer up. They've got the leggings on. They've got joggers on. They've got long sleeve tops oh, wow. on. Wow. The think, only thing I think they miss the prob- is hat and gloves.
2: Well, I think the problem with our winter as well, like England will often play Test series in November, December time, and January time. Like you're talking like depths of winter, and the problem with our winter is it's not just cold but it's wet. So mm. you'll get you'll get those days where it's just grey, miserable, raining a bit, it's still cold. And from from a netballer's perspective, I mean, it's, it's not as bad because you're indoors, but it still does take, you know, longer to warm up and kind of get mm. going in the mornings, especially. So, yeah, that, I don't think a lot of teams enjoy coming here in the winter. <laughs>
0: It'd be lovely for all of us, wouldn't it, if England could just provide us with some sort of n- mid-range, like not too hot, not too cold, no wind. You know, for everyone to train in. Wouldn't that be well? Just to live in, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah,
1: well, maybe so. But I mean, we've just been talking about going to the to the Caribbean or the West Indies, and you know, they're giving us that training slot outside, sunshine, baking hot at twelve. Do you think that maybe subliminally we're doing the same to them by playing our test series in in November, December, January mm.
2: when it's cold, wet, and windy? Yeah, yeah I remember, I remember playing play Jamaica, and I don't know if we were in Sheffield or somewhere, and it was like sleeting like horizontal oh. sleet and they, I've never seen a team look so unimpressed to me so well. like, <laughs> like what have you brought us yeah.
0: to <laughs> I'm sure they enjoyed it all the same Now, oh yeah uh, sure <laughs> I feel like this has been like the most British part of a podcast we've ever done <laughs> talking about the weather <laughs> yeah <obviously. laughs> for the last 10 minutes we've covered all angles but before we move on we've got to mention that the Premier League results were confirmed this week with Oldham winning an 8th title out of the last 9 YWCA won Premier 2 and are promoted while Charmwood won Prem 3 Sarah and Mags what are your thoughts on those results?
1: Well first thing I'm going to say is if the, if the suggestion is that anything north of Watford is north then it's a massive hats off and congratulations to two, three northern teams yeah. <laughs> two yeah. coming from the Manchester area and um, you know Oldham consistently performing year in year out it's amazing mm. And I think the Charnwood girls, do they feed into, uh, to, into you, Sarah, as well? Cause
2: yeah, Charnwood I was going to say, a really from a Lough, Loughborough perspective, it's nice to see Charnwood doing well, because um, that's a for club. So kind of getting up the leagues is is great for, for the region. Um, and me, me and Max were just talking. I, I, I think at the minute, playoffs is is still scheduled to happen, although I think I'm not sure when, when that kind of gets canned. Um, but if playoffs happen that'll sort of decide relegation and things like that but I'm not sure if it if it'll happen or not and a, a few clubs you included mags on i yeah. on tender hooks to see what what goes on there it's the the playoff i mean ideally for for clubs like myself because we're at that bottom end of
1: the uh, prem one and it's that last fighting chance to stay up in prem one um and I think we've been there a few times and playoffs always seem to work out in our favor but if they don't have those playoffs it's looking like the bottom two will just drop down a division
0: do you have any idea when those decisions are going to be made uh,
1: it's sometime mid mid july and it's not just that there are a couple of other competitions that are scheduled into the netball calendar before the end of this season concludes uh, before september um, but critical dates as to what the government
2: are going to say about teams getting back together and playing and it would be interesting because, you know, like national clubs for the juniors and, and there's a national schools, isn't there? Um, yeah, the 15s. Meant to, yeah, meant to be happening. Um, it'll be interesting to see if those happen because they might all, almost be the first competitive netball back and a, a little bit of a trial if they do happen of, you know, how tournament netball can be run. So fingers crossed they do happen, but yeah, I mean,
1: the, the national clubs, the 14s and 16s, I mean, they have the last two weekends in August as the dates to play those competitions. So I know we've got quite a few weeks before that happens. Things are changing on a daily basis. And personally, you know, it's for the 16s that they're going to be moving up into adult netball. It would be lovely for them to play that competition out before moving up as adults at 16. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed for you, Mags, as well, for playoffs. So we'll keep our eyes and ears peeled for that. Right then, let's talk ANZ. Uh, There were four very close games this week in ANZ. Uh, It's proven to be a league of fine margins, with a cross-court defence playing a key part in teams grinding out results. So, should we break down each of the results, girls? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Let's have a look because uh, at the minute, as it stands, it's 3-1 to Sarah based on last week's results going into this. I know you probably both already know where you stand with this because you'll remember what you said, but let's just have a run through. So Mags, uh, you predicted tactics, Sara You predicted magic. It was tactics forty-five, magic thirty-six. Well done, Max. Ooh.
2: Ooh, well done. I got um, a bit excited midway because I think I think magic were up at half time, and I thought, yeah. like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm, I'm and I am actually asked. turning into Mystic yeah. Meg, like, <laughs> <up to> <laughs> and
0: then it went went awry in the second half. Well, well, you both did well uh, with the Mystic Steel game, forty-six, forty-two. You both got that right. So mm-hmm. well done. You got your crystal ball back out there. Uh, right, Mags, you said stars. Sara, you went with steel. Yeah. Again, Sara, you got your crystal ball out. It's 49 47. What a game.
2: And, it and was good, yeah.
0: Finally, uh, you both went with Pulse, and it was Pulse 42. Mystics 35. So if we do the maths on that, I think, does that make it uh, about 6 4 or 6 3? 5 3. Your quick maths is
2: terrible, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely <laughs> dreadful. <laughs> absolutely dreadful. Five three, are we going? Yeah,
2: yeah, that five, sounds
0: three. good. That's to be fair, Mags. That works more in your favour. Yeah, five three. Well done. Mm-hmm. Um, for you then, girls, what was your highlight game, and which game disappointed you?
1: Personally, I don't think I was disappointed really with, with any of the games. You know, there were forwards and backwards, nip and tuck, couple of points, a drift, catching up, and you know, um, standout games for me was definitely the uh, Pulse and Mystics and the Stars and Steel. Both of those games
2: I thought were awesome. Sarah, mm. oh, what about you? Yeah, I agree. Like, I think everyone was excited for the Pulse Mystics game because they both went in unbeaten and, and probably the two best teams in the competition. And it lived up to expectations. Mm. You know, I think Pulse won by seven in the end, but it was the last five minutes, five minutes. that they won it in. Yeah. So that was a good game. I, I, I was probably a little bit disappointed with the Tactics Magic game. Um, just not great quality netball. You know, it, it was relatively tight, but um, I think both teams will be a little bit disappointed with, with what they put out.
0: And um, are there any younger players for you, Mags, that are standout so far
1: uh, in this league? Do you know what? Having watched the league, I'm thinking how excited the powers that be at New Zealand Netball must be with this swell of youngsters that are coming through and that are actually playing within the ANZ league at the moment. So There's the three youngsters that are playing for Mystics, and they're all the shoot well, the shooters. So you've got. Um, Grace and Reka, and you've got uh, Xavier Tui that I think are just little superstars. And then you've also got uh, Taylor Earl, awesome little centre. And then you've got your shooters, um, Aaliyah uh, Pulse and uh, Maddie Gordon. What a player she is, that little wing attack, Maddie Gordon. And um, who else? Maya Wilson. I know she's not classed as a baby, but she's still only
2: quite young. I know, but this is it. Like, we're talking about young players. Maya Wilson's, what, 22? Yeah, she's, like, still she's
1: still young. still young. But, but the way that girl works a circle and her finish, you know, she's really putting her stake in the ground and telling Nolan, you know, I've had a little taste of this and I want a little bit more. And, and I think deservedly so. And then, obviously, you move across to tactics and you've got uh, Charlotte Elliott. I thought she's having a good season so far and uh, Kamira Poi so, you know you could go through every single yeah. team and they've all really drafted well and got some fabulous youngsters across the court that are standing up and stepping up
0: I hate to throw this question to you Sarah because we're all about the positivity but do you think are there any more experienced players that maybe aren't stepping up to the mark as much as you'd expect them to
2: um I mean, it, it's hard to, to say really because I think the games have been tight so there's not one team where you know mm. they're getting annihilated. I, I was I was pleased to see Steele get their first win because I think Steele are a team that will just consistently grind performances out and, and players like Gina Crampton, a lot more pressure has been put on her this year because Steele have lost to Pia selby They A couple of years ago, they had Janil Fowler. They, they've kind of lost a lot of... Firepower, and so now the the pressure's on um, Gina Crampton and Shannon Francois. And I don't think they're underperforming by any means, but it's um, it's definitely a learning curve of of bedding in new players and and kind of going through a transition year a little Mm -hmm. bit for Steel. So I I still think they're doing a decent job. Um, I don't, don't, like I said, I don't think there's, there's players massively underperforming, but I think there's a lot of senior players in that league that will be nervously looking at these youngsters, thinking. Geez, like I'm gonna have to play well to keep my spot, and but that, that's just the reality of the of the league at the minute. And you know, Storm Storm Purvis and, and Kate Burley at um, Stars, I think, are doing a, a decent job. But you've just got so many, like I said, so many good youngsters coming through. And and you look at Pulse on on Monday; um, they didn't quite like what the Shooting Circle was doing. They put Tiana Matura on there. And she just absolutely nails it. She sat on a bench mm. for the last year and, mm. and she comes on and, and basically saves okay. the day. So yeah. Again, she's, what, 19, something like that. So it's, yeah, it's, sure, it's impressive at the minute.
0: Surely it's healthy anyway, to, to even for them to be looking over their shoulder and seeing the competition.
2: Yeah, well, it's yeah. healthy because it, you know, that's what all coaches want in their squad, competition yeah. for places. If everyone knows the seven that's going to start every week and they're going to play the whole game, yeah. then... You know, people get complacent and get a little bit lazy and sloppy. Um, I think what you see in a few clubs in particular over there is is people fighting and scrapping hard for places. And, and Nolin Todorov will be happy to see that, that, you know, the mentality of, of those Kiwi players fighting for their place is, um, is, is really pleasing absolutely right then girls let's get your predictions
0: get that crystal ball back out sarah we're going in <laughs> uh, first up mystics v tactics over to you mags
1: oh do you know what i've gone tactics for that one okay mm-hmm. oh, oh sarah
2: what are you saying i'm saying mystics okay. yeah I'm, I'm enjoying what mystics are putting out you know i felt like against pulse they, they were in danger of getting blown away in in the beginning and they just you know, for a young team, they just clung on in there and, and, and came back at them. So, yeah, I'm going Mystics.
0: Right, Sarah's going Mystics, Mags going Tactics. Next up, Pulse v Steel, Mags.
1: Um, I think you'd be foolish to bet against Pulse, even though they were pushed to the max in the last mm. game. Um, I think they'll go away, they'll do the
2: homework and they will come out fighting like they did in the round two game. So, I'm going Pulse.
0: Do you agree with that,
2: Sarah? Yeah, I'm going to go Pulse. Like, like I said, I, I like Steel because they're like a real gritty, solid team. Like they don't they don't often have a bad week, um, but I don't think they'll have enough to to get over Pulse.
0: Mm-hmm. So you agree on that one. Let's see if you agree on this one: Pulse v Magic.
1: It's for the same reasons. Pulse again. For as much as um, you know, there's individuals within the Magic setup that I think are are awesome, but I don't think they've got enough in their back pocket to uh, take on Pulse at the moment.
2: Do you agree with that, Sarah? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And it's tough because Pulse will go back to back this weekend, back to back games. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Magic are still finding their feet a little bit. They've got a lot of new players in there this year. And uh, yeah, I don't think they've quite got enough for that one.
0: Mm. And they take on Stars as well. So Magic v Stars. Uh, Mags, are you going with that? I'm going
1: Stars. Ooh. Mm. Sarah?
2: I think that's going to be a tough. One. I'm, I might go magic on this. Um, yeah, just, think
0: just to mix it up a bit.
2: Just to mix it up a bit. And stars are very up and down at the minute. Mm. You know, they, they, they do some great stuff. They do some ugly stuff. And I think if magic can get a consistent, consistent Ooh. game together, they might get that.
0: There we have it. Then we'll uh, we'll check in on that and let you know who's in the lead after after next week. Now before we head off, we've had an Instagram comment that we just couldn't ignore, and because you can't have too many predictions in one show, can you? <laughs> uh, Jem Cottle wrote: "Is there any way that you guys would do a fantasy pick for the sun corp like Laurie Geitz Liz Ellis, Sharni Layton? The writing's very small here. Sharni Layton and Catherine Cox did it. Was awesome. I would love to hear what you guys think and who you would pick." So, over to you, Max and Sarah. You can work together on this.
1: All right. Okay. So, sh- Which way do you want to go? Do you want to go from the back first, then Sarah? Go go keeper? Yeah, yeah. We'll go keeper first. Go on. Oh, go on. Well, go on. Well, well I'm I. Are you going Jeeva? Okay.
2: Well, I went Shamira. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Okay, you can do them separately then, if you All like,
2: because I feel like for different it, reasons. Are we doing it for this year, or are we doing it like best ever? This year. This year. Okay, this oh, year. Oh bloody hell, my God. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> Before they start playing again this year, right? Um, yeah, I'm still going to go Jeeva. Okay, okay. Right, best, I think best keeper ever. So, okay, yeah. goal defence. Uh, Carla Pretorius.
0: Ditto. Ditto. Um, the green on that
1: one. Yeah,
2: it's tough to yep. see anyone anybody else. Nobody else can do it. Yeah, wing defence. Uh, Gabby Simpson. Oh, well, this is why I asked if it was this year, because I picked Ash Brazel, but she's obviously
1: well, injured. <laughs> I've got Ash down here, but she's injured, because she would be my ultimate yeah. all time.
2: All right, so. in that case, um, who will I go? Um, I will probably go Jess Anstis from Fever.
1: Oh, okay. I think,
2: yeah, I think she she had a great year, years ago and i think she's she's gonna come come get good again it. there's yeah. not a lot of people playing solely wing defense at the minute which is interesting no. you know like jamie lee price has been pushed forward from wing defense to to center but giant she, she'd she also kind of get a nod and um I, yeah i think jess anstas is is one of the mm. better ones around and what about
0: center then max
2: for me there's only one center and that's
1: laura langman yeah do you
2: agree sarah yeah, yeah. i mean you can't be blasphemous and not pick Laura Langman in it. <laughs> <laughs> First rule of netball club. To... Everybody wants Laura. Come, if only. And,
0: and what about Wing Attack?
1: Uh, I've gone for Laura Sheridan. Because I just think she, she's just worked so hard. She reminds me, or her story reminds me so much of Nat Haytham And it was a toss between the two. Um, you know, work hard. Keeping the sight of the coach, you know, let the coach see that you're working hard, a few setbacks, but then she's punched through and she's getting the recognition she deserves. And she's pretty awesome in attack and feeding.
2: Good, good sell there, Mags. What about you? So are you bought in? And I'm not buying it now. Nah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going Liz Watson. Um, okay. <laughs> just because I think she's a wing attack that is underrated because she just goes about her job quite mm. quietly, but is always up there in the league for center pass receives for feeds um you know she can pretty much do everything she she's got a great vision on her she's she's good feeder she she's available a lot for a team she's she's a leader in that vixens team so yeah wouldn't mind having her in my team Mm. and goal attack max um i'm going to do this
1: as a, a duo because these two come as a pairing and with the new rules coming in with the two-pointer in the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. There's very few of those Australian shooters can do this, but I know our roses can do this, and both these girls, so that's Helen Houseby and Joe Harton, between them, can take those long bombs. They can work that circle and work it well. So for me, that's my uh, combo in the shooting end.
0: Your duo. What about you, Sarah?
2: Yeah, I've, I've gone Joe Harton goal attack um, because I think, as well as being one of the best goal attacks in the league, um, She's now Giants captain. Great player to have on court. Um, a leader in that team. Um, but shooter, I'm going to Neil fowler because she's just a machine. <laughs> actually, <laughs> I've, I've the only person I've seen be able to stop her is Jeeva. Um, so uh, Shamira had a decent go at it last year, actually, as well. But she's she's unplayable most of the time. So um, yeah, she gets my vote at shooter.
0: Well, there you go, Gem. There is your fantasy pick for the sun cup from Max and Sarah. Uh, thank you so much for that, girls. Uh, that's it for another show. As always, if there's anything you want us to cover in future episodes, just like Gem did, get in touch via social media or to hello at mynetballnation.com. Also, we need to tell you that we're going to be having a summer break after next week's show. Don't worry, we're going to be back in August to round off the ANZ and talk about the launch of Super Netball. Though, thank you so much for listening to Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK and. Don't forget, we're giving every listener and viewer the chance to get 10% off at Netball UK. Plus, if you use the code with an order before the end of July, one lucky winner will get the entire cost of their order refunded. Save now and you could get your order on us. The only way to get the code is to head over to mynetballnation.com and click the banner on our homepage. Before I say goodbye, girls, any final shout-outs? I shouldn't have asked.
1: <laughs> do you know i don't think i have got any this week
2: don't think shout have... out to all the liverpool fans Ooh. oh yes of course yes
0: congratulations Championes. congratulations
2: well yes.
0: yes you've waited long enough for it so yeah huge Ooh. shout out to the liverpool Ooh. fans Rich, Rich thank... coming from a leaves fan i'm saying that please don't oh, it, please, <laughs> please yeah. thank you girls it's been an absolute delight have a belting week and we'll see you next time Bye.
3: Bye! This is Netball Nation, powered
0: by Netball UK. Shop now at netballuk.co.uk